So uh, very few of you know this story I'm going to share. Most of you don't because it's too embarrassing to share, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, I'm really not sure why I want to share the story more broadly except to say that it helps to highlight something that it helps to hide. The Holy Spirit's really jumping around this morning. <laughs> Just wait. That's the, that's the first thing. <laughs> uh, but I want to share a story that highlights something about the Holy Spirit. Didn't happen. <laughs> uh, several months ago on a, on a Saturday afternoon, a good friend of mine uh, invited me to go snowmobiling with him, and given that I'd done it three or four times before, I thought it'd be a great idea. And uh, after dropping by my friend's house and making sure his snowmobiles were in working order, we got into his truck and headed up to the backside of, of Aspen Mountain. And when we arrived, he unloaded the snowmobiles, as getting them out of the trailer was certainly a bit tricky for my skill set. And with both snowmobiles sitting on the side of the road, finally, he told me to get a, go ahead and get started by crossing the road in order to head up an adjacent snow-packed road. So I stood next to the snowmobile, reached down and pulled the starter cord, and after a few pulls it started, and of course I didn't do anything to check the snowmobile out, mistake number one. I didn't familiarize myself with where we were going to go, mistake number two. I didn't make sure that the snowmobile was pointed in the right direction before getting onto it, <laughs> mistake, mistake number three. Nor had I ever tried to steer a snowmobile on asphalt. I had no idea you can't steer a snowmobile on a road. Mistake number four. So I got on the snowmobile, I gave it some gas, and off the snowmobile and I went straight up the side of the road precisely in the wrong direction, despite my efforts to turn it. And after I stopped, I realized I was about 30, 40 yards from the snow-covered path I was supposed to head to. I was along the side of the highway. So I knew I had to turn around and go back the 30 yards I had just traveled. So I thought, this is really hard to turn, this snowmobile on this asphalt, so what I need to do is I just need to give it a lot of gas. <laughs> if I give it a lot of gas, it'll give me the momentum to turn the thing around. So I gunned it. I immediately forgot where the brake was. I went 90 degrees across the highway and went flying off a 40-foot steep cliff. Through the air, through a grove of trees, I sailed until gravity took over and I dropped the 40 feet into a pile of snow. About three minutes later, I saw this head peering over the cliff looking down at me. And it was amazing I didn't die. That was astonishing. It's amazing I didn't hit a tree. It's amazing there was only one little dent in the snowmobile. And I was really stupid, to say the least. Well, my friend and I learned a bunch of lessons that day. He has not invited me back to go snowmobiling. <laughs> Uh, I learned that it's uh, not only smart to know what you're doing before proceeding on a snowmobile, but that a snowmobile is incredibly powerful. I learned, of course, as I said, that snowmobiles don't turn well on a road surface. And I learned, at a minimum, that it is wise to have some control over the power of a snowmobile. Well, as I thought about that day and flying through the air and that I could very well not be with you today, I realized that some of the same things that can be said about a powerful snowmobile can be said about other power sources as well. See, too much power of any kind without some control over that power is not a good thing at all. It's why cars not only have gas pedals, but brakes. It's why our government has a system of checks and balances that 
I wish more people paid attention to. It's why it's a darn good thing that nuclear reactors have systems that control the amount of energy released. It's why trains need brakes. It's why planes have to slow down before landing. Yes, indeed, too much uncontrollable power is never a good thing. We can all see what happens when power is unfettered. Look at some current World Day leaders. Look at what happens when a spouse thinks that a relationship is about who has the most power instead of a relationship of mutuality. Look at when a gang leader has weapons and feels that he is invincible. Look at what happens when a religious leader claims to speak for God. And for sure, powers of all kinds is a God-given thing, but limits and control are essential. We need to be aware of the importance of limiting and controlling power. But there's another kind of power out there that sadly I have tried in my life to try and control and limit too much. There's a power out there that sadly some of us have tried too much to control and limit. There's a power out there that, frankly, too many communities of faith that I've been part of have tried to control and limit far too much. There's another source of power out there that sometimes we squash and we attempt to control. Yet, unlike all earthly sources of power that I mentioned, this other kind of power was never meant to be under our human control. And what I'm speaking about, of course, is the power of the Holy Spirit. So today is Pentecost Sunday. It's been celebrated for thousands of years, and the word Pentecost, as some of you know, means 50, and it's been 50 days since we've celebrated Easter. And Pentecost, as was described in that reading, is the day that the Holy Spirit came upon all people and filled them with the presence of God. And while Pentecost is a Christian celebration, it is important to point out that Pentecost actually has its roots in ancient Judaism. You may remember the Passover when God sent a plague after plague to the people of Egypt to try and force Pharaoh to release the Jews from slavery. You may remember that none of the plagues worked except for the last one in which death passed over the Jewish children. And it was then that the enslaved Jews were freed and fled into the desert under Moses' leadership. And early Jews not only celebrated the Passover event every year as they still do, but they celebrated at the time called some, something called the Festival of Weeks. It was a harvest festival. It was a time of joy and celebration in which people would come together in Jerusalem to give God thanks for the first grains and the first fruits. It was also a time of celebrating God giving Moses the Torah, or the first five books of the Old Testament. Now this Festival of Weeks, this celebration of the gift of Torah, was set to happen every year. 50 days after Passover. And the Hebrew word for this is Shavuot. And long ago, it was expected that Jews would travel to Jerusalem for this event. And so for this reason, the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the people in Jerusalem, for this reason, the city of Jerusalem was packed full of people who were there to celebrate the Festival of Weeks, the giving of the Holy Spirit. It was full of people who were there remembering and celebrating and missing and wishing for Jesus. There were many, many people there from all kinds of traditions and sorts of journeys in faith. And it's during this celebration, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit came and filled the people. 
And from that day forward, the Holy Spirit moved powerfully among the people, so much so that the message of Jesus, within a period of just a few years, quickly spread out all around the countries surrounding the Mediterranean. And what's important to note is the Holy Spirit that is described in this reading today is precisely the same Spirit of God that is within each of you and me right now. So who is this Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do? And I thought it might be helpful just to spend a few moments on these questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? Simply put, the Holy Spirit is the presence and the power of Christ. Just think about that. The Holy Spirit is the presence of the power of Christ within you. The Spirit and power of God is found not only in every place, but in every person. Now some Christians that have been around a long time, you have heard and referred to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. One and the same thing, it's just a matter of semantics. And the living presence and the power of God does many, many things in you and in me. The Holy Spirit is what makes us creative. The Holy Spirit is what gives us great ideas. The Holy Spirit is what helps people overcome astonishing odds and incredible difficulties. When someone says, I don't know where the strength came to help me to overcome this situation, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that breathed life into the first person as described in the book of Genesis. The word is Ruach, the Spirit of God. It's that same Spirit that is within us now. And not only is the Holy Spirit the source of our creativity and ingenuity in every breath, but the Holy Spirit is described throughout Scripture is where we get our natural gifts and our talents and our passions. It is the Holy Spirit that leads people to advances in medicine and psychology and space and geology and biology. These are all sciences that come and are inspired from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, that teaches us how to pray when we don't know how to pray. When we don't know what to say to God, it's the Spirit that comes in us and teaches us what to do. It's the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said, that will come alongside of us and be our advocate, our helper, when we are lost and don't know what to do. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the power source for our living. I believe, as I've said many, 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 many times, that God has a purpose and a clear purpose for your life and for mine, a vision for you and a vision for me, hopes for you, hopes for me. God wants amazing things for us, wants us to find our passions and to go for those passions and to use our gifts to serve God, to make things better. The power of God is within us, giving us skills and strength and motivation. This very present power is within you. Of course, we know that in the Gospel of John that Jesus talks to his followers, that he will not leave them alone, isolated, abandoned. And he says the way that this is going to happen is my spirit will come upon you and be within you. Now, it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit may sound silly, but it's not an it or a thing. It's the presence of God. And this, in part, is why the Holy Spirit is often described not only like fire, but like wind. It's the presence of God. You may not actually see the Spirit, like you may not necessarily see wind, but you can see the effects of the Spirit. And you can often tell when the Spirit of God is moving and acting, just like you can see the effects of wind. So this Holy Spirit has the capacity to do many things within us. But I want to turn briefly to something else for each of us to keep in mind. Remember earlier I said 
that sometimes I, in my own journey of faith, have tried to put limits on what God can do in my life. And maybe some of you have had that experience. It's been my experience being in various communities of faith that sometimes people try and constrain the Holy Spirit and not let the Spirit move. But that Spirit is something that wants to move. You and I are here today because those first followers of Christ on that first Pentecost day did not try and limit what God was going to do within their lives. I want you to think about that, that this story is described here. We are here today. The Christian churches around the world today, because those first followers did not say, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to follow you in that way. We're here today because those first followers refused to hold back the power of the Holy Spirit. So this got me thinking again about electricity as I spoke about last week, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different turn this week. And that is that most of us at home, this is a metaphor and I'd like for us to think about it, but most of us at home we have these surge protectors. And we have these surge protectors that are present and we plug equipment into these surge protectors to protect us, or to protect the equipment rather, from uncontrolled amounts of energy. In other words, to constrain it, to hold it down. Surge protectors prevent costly losses. Well, so I've been thinking about surge protectors. I, in the thinking about my own life and faith, I think that sometimes I approach the Holy Spirit like a surge protector. That I plug my life into a surge protector instead of directly into God. And I limit what God can do in my life. And as I think about plugging myself into a Holy Spirit surge protector, it strikes me that there are various ways that each of us go about constraining what God can do in our lives. It's not that we're bad, it's that we're human. And so, for a very few quick moments, I just want to touch on some ways in which we may try and limit God through these surge protectors that we use sometimes in our relationship to God. First, there's our own history. Sometimes we limit what the power of God is trying to do in our lives by holding on to what we've known or what feels familiar and comfortable. God is always on the move doing new things because God never seeks to maintain the status quo in our lives. God wants us to be on a path of continual transformation. The Bible, from beginning to end, the Hebrew Scriptures through the Christian Testament is actually a document of the importance of continual change and transformation. And so God is always on the move, always seeking change in our lives. And while history is very important, important to remember, important to learn from, important to celebrate and to cherish. Sometimes, at least in my own life, I've been so concerned with maintaining history and what's been that I've limited what God has been able to do in my life. And so I ask you, is there some part of your life, some history that you're holding on to, not that the history's bad, but is there some history in your life that you're holding on to so tightly it's not freeing you to go forward in some way that you may feel compelled by God to do so? Then sometimes we're very concerned with safety. We, we limit what the power of God is trying to do by seeking safety and security first instead of faithfulness. Those first apostles that were following Jesus, those first disciples, those first followers on the day of Pentecost were interested more in faithfulness than in safety. And look what happened. 
they recognize that ultimate security and safety is found in God, not through anything or anyone else. And when we forget this, we end up seeking measures in our lives that make us feel safe. We seek life patterns that make us feel secure. And the problem is the ways in which we feel which we seek safety and security are ultimately tenuous and temporary at best. This is why Jesus so often challenged people as they followed him to think about what is it that's making you feel safe and secure? What is it that you need to let go of and instead rely on me for your source of safety and security? Faithfulness sometimes demands we let go of security. And aside from history and safety, sometimes we limit God's power by trusting people and things more than we trust God. Now, there certainly are trustworthy people. I have a lot of very trustworthy people in my life, but ultimately it's God we can trust the most, even when outward circumstances are tough and hard and painful. It's so important to trust God rather than something earthly, and we constrain the power of God when we do that. And then there's the big issue of control. I like control in my life. I like knowing where I'm going. I like planning. I like control. But when I focus too much on control, I end up limiting God's power by seeking to maintain control over my life instead of yielding the control of my life over to God. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, human beings forever have struggled with who is in charge of my life today. Yet it's when we yield control of our lives and the direction they take over to God that God's power is unleashed in ways that will amaze us. And finally, aside from history and safety and trust and control, there is fear itself. Fear can diminish our ability to see the power of God in our lives. Fear can limit what we do in our life because we're focused on fear instead of God. Fear, in some ways, is like a giant catcher's mitt that slows down the movement of God in our lives and through us. And this is perhaps why the most frequent statement in the entire Bible that God commands is fear not. History, safety, trust, control, fear, all things that can get in the way of my life, our life, the chapel's life, and the movement of the Holy Spirit through us. Pentecost is the day we remember and celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's a power that is in you and in me, and it's waiting to be unleashed each and every moment in our lives. But more than this, I think today is a day, it's a great time for us to think about the ways that we are plugging into a surge protector instead of plugging directly into God. God wants us directly tied into his power He wants us to experience his life-changing, transforming power surge now and then. It's so important to remember us, remember that when we're fearful of the Holy Spirit, that God doesn't want to zap us. God wants to shape us into his image. God wants more for your life and mine than we have ever imagined. God wants things for you and for me that we've never dreamed of. Christ has plans for us and knows exactly why we are alive at this time in this world, in this place. And God, I believe, wants more for this chapel than any of us have ever envisioned, thought possible, or imagined. Just imagine if all of us had the courage, like those first 12 followers did, what might the power of God do with all of us who call the chapel 
home. And so I invite us now to a few moments of, of silent prayer that we will pray that the Holy Spirit will descend and come upon each of us. I ask you to ask God for God's Spirit to come within you, to fill you with His presence, to take over your life, to let go, and to point out ways in which you need to let go and directly plug into Him. And so let's spend a moment just turning to and praying to the Holy Spirit of Christ. And let us pray.